Welcome to That's a Chunky. This is Kevin. Sadly, Jared is not here tonight. He's uh, playing poker with some friends and, and getting ready for a slumber party. Uh-huh, um, that's what he told you. <laughs> we are very lucky to be joined tonight by Frank Garish, um, our esteemed guest to the night. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kevin. My pleasure. So I, I need to jump right in. Um, I, I think one of the biggest um, sort of themes of I think you should leave is everybody has their first watch reaction and then every sketch kind of moves on like rewatch people watch these over and over again and I really think uh, well I was initially a big fan of your sketch I think it's one that's just getting better and better <laughs> um, it's just I mean if you like think of the themes that are there from you know there's great elements of of friendship, camaraderie, um, true love, um, sort of like rivalry. I mean, the sketch has got to be about two minutes long. It it has all these elements. It's really a a, a fun and uh, great rewatch. Yeah. And, and um, when it was laid out to us, uh, the director gave us very little information, very little direction. The director was Alex uh, Mathias, by the way. Yes. Uh, not Alex. Alice. 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 <laughs> maybe, maybe transitioning. I don't know. But but and and um I've always wanted to work with Alice Matthias because she was a big Fred Armisen person. Yes. Yeah, she, uh, she's got like seven primetime Emmy nominations for Portlandia and another little show that was off of everybody's radar with Fred Armisen called Los Espookies. Oh, I need to watch that. Oh, dude. It is so funny. And and that that it has the same sense of humor. And so when I found out I was going to be working with her, I got really excited. And I her style is to let people go. And that's exactly what she did. We've uh we've tried really hard to book us on the show, uh book her on the show, and she was at least nice enough to reply and say, like, I don't I don't like hearing myself speak. Um uh-huh. But That's why yeah, she's behind the camera. Exactly, right? she's brilliant though, and and uh, yes, I have she to is. actually on a on a quick segue. I only wonder this. You bring up Los Spookies, and I look at your IMDb um, yeah. list of of roles you've had. Are you bilingual? I am not. Okay. I I am. Uh, let me see. I I I am what they call ethnically ambiguous in terms of type. Uh, I didn't know that until I moved to LA. I was always, you know, back east. I was always an Italian mm-hmm. because they, you know, they always ask you, "What are you?" <laughs> That's a famous East Coast question. Oh, I'm from and, there. And then, yes. <laughs> and then I spent uh, twenty plus years in Utah, and I was definitely, you know, a Gentile there. Um, and all of a sudden, I started booking roles of different ethnicities, and I started learning the accents and dialects. And uh, I realized there was tremendous power in looking like you belong. I get great service in restaurants because they all think I'm one of them. That's great. It's great. I mean, they think I'm Greek or Armenian or Italian or Arabic or whatever it is. Not definitely not northern. Yes, European, but definitely Southern European, Basque, uh, you, you name it, even Slavic. Yeah. I've even played Mongolians. That's that's amazing. It's a, it's a yeah, it's a stroke of luck in a way, right? 
Yeah, I'll take it. Typecast <laughs> is cast, you know. Yeah. As long and as the check clears, I'm good. So tell us how, you know, uh, on I think every occasion except one of people we've interviewed, seems like most people auditioned for the show. Yes, I did. Uh, I was brought in by Leslie Wu, who was the main, main casting director. And it was the first time I'd been in the office. Uh, I had some self-tapes for her. She, of course... Um, she, of course, was really instrumental in uh, casting. What was the show she cast? I just I just drew a blank. It was a bit I read for several times. Of course, I don't know now, but I will know soon. Yeah, look we'll, we'll remember. Um, anyway, I was uh, her office. If I, I don't know if I could say this. Her, her office is in, uh, in near Venice Beach. So whenever you audition, you know, you got to take a whole day <laughs> to go to sure. beach and come back. So that, that was nice. I went down there and they were very nice, very cordial. They were very private about the scripts. Um, the scripts were like solid gold. Silicon Valley. That's what uh, oh. oh, you read for Silicon Valley? Yes. I read several times. I read for the pilot of Silicon Valley. Oh, my God. I so wanted to be in that show when I saw the description of it. And it turned out to be a brilliant show. It's great. Um, but, I, you know, I could, I could see myself sitting there around a table with Middle Ditch and, yeah. you know, uh, all of those guys. But, uh, but, but anyway, get back to Leslie Will. She was so, so nice, so accommodating. And the sides uh, were exactly the sides of that scene. And she uh, had me read that character and then a couple of other characters around the table. Yeah. Uh, and they weren't sure how they were going to cast it. And then I didn't hear anything. And all of a sudden I get a call from my agent saying, hey, they want to book you. And I'm like, great. Great. You know, I'm now part of the uh, Leslie Wu universe. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And you, um, so I'm assuming when you guys shot, you probably had no idea what was happening in the in the scenes in the house or in the theater. No, nothing, nothing. Uh, and it, what was funny is, and 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 part of what we're going to talk about is this is the night L.A. shut down. Mm. Night of my shooting was the night when a producer showed up and said, "We're all on vacation," and it was a very strange. There was a very funky vibe. Uh, with some of the crew that day and I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And, and then I talked to the set medic and he was really on edge. He said, people are not being safe, you know, and of course we all knew about COVID in March, but nothing had been shut down. So when we arrived, we were segregated. There were lots of sanitizers, all the snacks were bagged and, you know, they, they had taken the proper precautions, but I had no idea that all of us would be out of work for months uh, as of that night. It was March 12th, mm. March 12th, 2020. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken with a lot of people who uh, ended up recording their sketches. I think they, whenever they resumed shooting, I mean, I know they shut down, I think for a couple months. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people shot in June and July um yes. and they and you could tell i mean i think it's clear 
to someone who's really studying the show, there was there's some sketches where it's just one person. Yeah. Um, we talked to one of the actors, uh, Andre Bilu, who has the like he's the little buff boys champion. Right. Um, and they went to him in Atlanta to shoot. Um, and I think it was it might have just been at his place actually. That's um, awesome. I know, I know. So they had to get creative, and um, it's really fascinating to hear to hear what when happened. We, um, even when we arrived, and the, the parking was uh, quite a distance from where we were shooting, the parking was just off the 101 freeway under the Sunset Boulevard Hollywood sign. It's right near Scientology, and so we parked there. And then they had COVID officers there. They separated us. We, you know, we, they they spaced us in the vans. And so they were, they were, they were really diligent. And then when we arrived, they kind of separated us again. And we went into this craftsman bungalow house that used to belong to somebody famous. And I mm. forget who it was now, but it was on a, a street where there were some famous people, but the houses were small. Like you've seen thousands of these houses, the 1920s pre-war sure. craftsman bungalows. It turned out to be the interior of the house where they shot the husband and uh, Paul's uh, yeah. scenes with his wife. When he said, I got the part, and he comes yes. downstairs and all this. That, that ended up being where our holding was. Oh, that's funny. Yes. And they were having, uh, and then they had the, the producers were in another room having a big power hour on a table. And all of us were kept in the living room and. So I chatted with uh, the guy who lived there and we had snacks and we ended up waiting quite a long time. Uh, and then they, they, they approved our wardrobe, shuttled, shuttled us off to the set, didn't talk to us, went up the back set of rickety stairs at this old house. And this really was like an over the garage kind of a uh, place. That's great. And uh, at some point, I'll send. I have pictures of. Oh, that. I'd love to see them. I have, yeah, and I have pictures of all of uh, the people congregating downstairs, the crew and everybody, and, and and everybody's sort of standing around, not knowing what to do. It's it's fascinating. Um, it was, and and there were a lot of people when we shot that particular scene. There were a lot of people in the room because they, you know, I think they shot with three cameras, two wow. and, a, and then like a handheld. Yeah, I think it switches angles a couple of times. And then, and then it took them forever to get all of their stuff out of that side of the room so they could cover the other side with the sleeping bags. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and then they and it, and they had to take everything down those set of rickety stairs and out in, into the yard, and it really was. Uh, yeah, it was guerrilla filmmaking. It really was. The shot the shot of the sleeping bags is an incredibly nice touch. It's really funny. And it's it's a total reveal, <laughs> but it's it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks so crestfallen. Oh, he, he turns it on. Um, so, Paul How Paul Hauser was great to work with. He's amazing. Segue with that. And he and I chatted a lot because I'm I'm always a fan of character men. And I love it when character men do well because sure. I'm an anonymous kind of character man. I, I I do heavy lifting in a lot of projects, but no recognition. And he finally got some recognition. And so we talked about Black Klansman yeah. and Richard Jewell. And we yeah. I, I said, what was it like to work with Spike Lee? 
And we, you know, he, he talked about the world of Spike Lee and, and being on that set. And he, it was just, it was so nice. And I'm like 20 years older than him. And I, and I felt like I was sitting at the feet of somebody giving me incredible knowledge. So that, that was good. And we, and he was very funny. So um, one thing we, we've generally heard from the show is it, it goes really uh, close to script. Um, yeah. But due to the storytelling nature of that scene, you know, you guys are all kind of just like telling stories of your partners and it, it seems like it would be ripe for a little uh, improv, but we hear a time and time again that there's very little improv done there, on the there show. Was, there wasn't a lot. She would let us do occasional um, like verbalizations and yeah. like celebrations and things, but not scripted. Yeah. And and I'll tell you a little secret that nobody knows. Is I had a really hard time with that line. It's just piss. Yeah, but 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 they wanted it the whole fast. Thing. Yeah, that's yeah. what my wife said. And of course I know it now. There's no pressure on me. For some reason that line would not stick in my head. Yeah. And I've been doing I've been doing this almost 40 years. You know, you know, I've done half of Shakespeare's canon. And and all of a sudden, this one little line is, is bothering me. And and then the script supervisor would come over with and say, you know, and uh, there's a comma after this, and you need to say the. And you know, I'm like, wow. okay. And then I realized that yeah, they were very serious about the script. And and uh, I finally and and the yelling of it's just piss actually <laughs> was my own frustration with myself. Wow! Because I had done five or six takes when it came around to my, to my single, you know, when it came around to my coverage, and I, and and I go, I'm so sorry. I remember apologizing. The director said, "Hey, it's okay, it's okay," and uh, I have never told anybody that story. I had a problem with that line. Occasionally, it happens, and it usually happens with easy lines like that. It wasn't yeah. a hard line. It wasn't, you know, a medical industrial where I had to say a bunch of. <laughs> you know, technical terms and so that, that that's where the we're breaking up a little bit frank I lose you no you i got you we're back okay i just was it was stuttering okay. a little bit I didn't want to miss some brilliant point uh, in the. No, no, no. I just said that that's that's the story of why that line came out the way it did, and it was just out of utter frustration. But it's the one she she ended up really liking that because it was so <laughs> odd that he would yell that. Like, yeah, it doesn't read that way in the episode. It just reads that it reads like he's frustrated with the situation. Yeah, I think we actually we talked with Nick Azarian earlier this year who plays Jamie taco. Um, and yeah. he told us he actually, uh, I think he also had to do a couple takes. Um, you know, his role was incredibly challenging where he's, it's like, not only is he supposed to be talking fast, but he's supposed to be talking oh, like, breathlessly. Um, I don't know how he does. I don't know how he does it. I, th I think he's so funny. He's uh, yeah. Especially uh, the stuff he's doing when, when him and um, Richard Hauser are on stage, it, I could watch that like 10 ah! seconds on a loop. It, it really cracks me up. Um, I, I don't know and why. And you know what? We, we've all had those guys yeah. in plays and on sets. We've all had those a-holes 
that uh, I'm saying that because of, you know, <laughs> my cousins in Rhode Island might be hearing this. So I okay. Uh, <laughs> they still think I'm a very good boy. So I, gotta, <laughs> I told them I moved, I told them I moved to Babylon for a reason. You know. <laughs> are, do we, do you really have, are there really actors who stare, steal lines? Uh, there are actors who are Darwinistic and will appropriate moments. Got it. And then the moments, if they find you weak enough, the moments will turn into stealing dialogue. Oh, yeah. wow. That's amazing. Um, it doesn't happen on stage so much because that actually wouldn't happen probably in a theatrical production because you've been directed and there's a stage manager and yes. that wouldn't happen. But it does happen on film sets when, especially in TV when things move fast and furious. And if you're working with a star who is not nice, they'll say, can he not say that? Can I just say it? Yeah. Yeah. Really? You know, and then you realize you're there to make the star look good. And so that's fine with me. It's not my show. I won't name names on that one, but (laughs) (laughs) so, and it had nothing. It had nothing to do with the quality of my performance. It was just they wanted more time. Got it. Yeah, no, I I can only imagine every uh every workplace. Okay, has it this was place. Rutger it was Rutger Hauer. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> it was Rutger Hauer. And he and I played F I played an FBI agent that was his you know, Sancho Panza. And he would keep saying he does he doesn't need to say that. For the and I actually liked Rutger Hour and we got along fine, but he would do annoying stuff like that. For our um, for our young listeners, the star of the original Blade Runner movie. Oh jeez. <laughs> um, you have that be- many young people who don't know who Rutger Hour is. I you never know. I mean, although the Hitcher, <laughs> the young the young generation are yeah, is well, really he, good he, at he they they're really good at going back. Um, yeah better than my generation was but all right so i don't know if you know there's this element i think you leave where people are just making like a million memes a day fans of the show they're taking pictures from the show with the lines and appropriating it and i'm telling you right now i don't think i've seen a ton of it's just Just piss it's i would love it somebody could send me a meme anytime they want all right, so I'm going to ask our listeners, and we actually have a someone we bring on the show a lot who's, he's like, he has like a million followers on Twitter doing this stuff. I'm going to see if he can help me find some of the, it's just piss memes, and we're going to send them to you so you can see. I would be honored. <laughs> I guarantee one is probably related to like, say, some sort of cheap domestic beer. I bet there's a meme there where someone <laughs> says it's just piss. If not, I might have to make it after the show. Um, I'm a little... I'm not a real strong meme person, so um, no. but we'll we'll find some for you. That's exciting. And I, I also know I believe you're a father of five, right? Father of five, yes. I have three uh, three girls and two boys. I got a set of twins. My oldest boy is living in Topeka, Kansas, and he's got three kids. So that makes me a wow. grandfather of three. I'm not that old, but I'm- no, no, no. And you're, but we but, we breed well in Salt Lake City. <laughs> but this means that that presumably, like, are any of them fans of the show? Uh, they, I think they've watched it be, 
because they knew I was in it. I don't yeah. know. You know, I've never asked them, but they thought I, I will have to ask them. It, it'd be fascinating to know. And had you, did you watch prior to auditioning? Uh, prior to auditioning. Well, when I got the, when I got the audition, I always look. And that's true for any audition I get. If I can find tape, you know, Smart. I always, you have to, you yeah. have to see the style of the show. Absolutely. I hadn't watched an episode of nine one one at all. And then uh, I had an audition for it and I watched it and I said, Oh, well, this is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Nine one one, you know, on Fox was funny. And I realized you could add some humor. So I always do that. And I always research the casting director and the director. And uh, it's definitely the showrunners. Yeah. The people who, you know, the showrunners in TV are the, usually the head writers, which t Tim Robbins. Sure. Yes. And he has quite a history. He does. Uh, yeah. He, I think he's, a, I think he's a genius. I, I, I do too. I, really do. I, 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 was I was watching that hot dog sketch. <laughs> Uh, was it last night or the night before? And I'm sitting there going, this is absolutely brilliant. While he's stealing the clothes. Yeah. Oh, man. I just, you know, and I go, just just think of that. Now, and I, I had also worked with uh, Tim and Eric's bedtime stories. I was going to ask you because uh, they're, they're like a contemporary with Tim and that they're also brilliant and also super unique. Yeah, but they're dark, though. They Tim are. Tim, they're really dark. <laughs> Zach and Tim uh, from I Think You Should Leave, they try to inject a little sweetness into the show, right, I think. Right, Yeah. Right. And so I'm, I'm finding that I want to aspire to more of these types of shows because they are satisfying. Yeah. I, I mean, not that drama isn't satisfying, but I just like to make people laugh. I like to be part of something that can ease somebody's life a little bit have you uh ever checked out uh tim tim and sam richardson made a show called detroiters no i haven't it was also with zach it had two seasons on comedy central um and I it's will look it up they're like best friends they run an ad agency and it's it's similar like similarly funny a lot of the same themes it's definitely sounds like, all sounds a little like chasing amy it's it's like really sweet uh um, oh, okay yeah and um the funny thing is so we talked to this this character uh from that show and i think you should leave last week andre bilu and he was saying like i was like if like it's really a shame comedy central stopped making the show right before i think you should leave and he was like there's some talk of bringing it back um so is that but, why you saw Nathan for you? <laughs> so that's you, know, you know, what's funny is I have been trying to finish Nathan for you. Like I just watch a couple episodes here and there and I was, uh, cause I love it, but it's for me, it's like a small dose of show. Like if I watch one, yeah, it's really nice. funny. But so I, I, I looked you up last night and I saw the episode you were on. It's season three, episode three. And I had I was up to season three episode two. I was like just <laughs> before I was watching it, and um, so yeah, for our listeners at home, Frank was on uh, a really amazing episode of Nathan for You. Um, it was a funny episode, but they it's just crazy. Needed, they needed a fat guy at the last minute <laughs> to be the before the before picture for the guy who was what you know, and they used my real pants. Talk about adding insult to injury. <laughs> 
It's, they, used, so, they used my big ass Levi's and they held them up to the camera. So I have to tell you, earlier today, my wife, who I was like telling this story to, said, I've always, my whole life, wanted to know about actors who get picked to either be like a before picture or the nerd before the big switch. Yeah, it, it's, it's, well, look. It's 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 a humbling experience to be an actor <laughs> for a lot of reasons. One is the constant rejection. But even when you don't get rejected, you know, like like a director handing you a bag of chips saying, oh, we should have him eat in this scene. Like, they're the first person that ever thought of having a fat person eat on camera. <laughs> I'm like, really? This is original. Or Or why didn't he break a chair when he sits in it? Oh, no. How many tropes can we do? You know, I mean, how many, how many, and, and yeah. we're, we're starting to come out of that now a little yeah. bit. We're, we're it's unoriginal though. It's totally unoriginal. Yeah. And then you, you say, you know, I'm here to serve the, the production. Um, You don't, you don't say anything. Yeah. I mean, the other aspect is the person you are the before person on Nathan for you. I mean, he's like a total like Adonis, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yes. It's not like you lost like 15 pounds. It's like no. they made you the before person for like a, a Mr. Universe candidate. Of, of course. So that, that they takes wanted the to edge make up. it as grossly unfair as possible. <laughs> um, and again, you know, the, I still get residuals from Nathan for you. I'm, I'm fine with it. That's amazing. And yeah, I mean, that show, I think that's another show that um, it's very. I think there's an element to it where people will be watching it forever. Yeah. I as mean, long you, as... want to, you want to eventually graduate to being a plot point and then a plot point of significance that is not reliant on body type. Right, right. Like, yeah, different actors could do this, but they picked him because his sensibility or or, or whatever. And, and, and then you've got to be really smart to play dumb. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things we haven't talked about it a lot recently, but it became aware for us um, some sometime in the past is that the casting on "I Think You Should Leave" is very representative of the real world in terms of, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, the obvious thing people like to look at is in terms of race, but um, also in terms of age like gender, sexual preference, everybody's represented on the show. And it's right. really and not everybody amazing. Is pre- not everybody is pretty. Nope. Or, or model looking. And they, they just seem like the kind of people, if I, you know, if I went down to the Vons to pick up some ice, I would run into these people. Yeah. And the joke is always at the expense of someone who's doing the wrong thing, opposed yeah. to fat guy breaking a chair Right, uh, right. You know, and it's usually Tim himself is usually the butt. Right. I mean, he he is the greatest self-flagellating guy. I just love his stuff in this. And he does it in so many ways. Yeah. It's like he plays so many. It's like you're looking at that same face the whole time, but it's a different person, which I, I really think is amazing. Yeah, he does. He, he is a bit of a chameleon. He can morph himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just not one kind of nerd, you know. <laughs> yeah, someone someone from that show is going to win an Academy Award someday. That's my I hope so. That's my I, prediction. I mean, between him, Sam, Patty Harrison, 
Yep. Uh, well, the, was, the right the writing should get Emmy nods. You know, I I think I think people are starting to see it. Um, you know, it felt like when we started this show, it was really niche, um, and we were just doing it. Really, uh, I have my co-host who's not on tonight, but we were just trying to have a good time. And now it's like uh, there's a lot of people watching the show. Yes, it, it's gained a lot of momentum. Um, I, you know, that could be the great Netflix binge since COVID. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly watching a lot more Netflix. I'm watching all kinds of stuff I've never watched before. Yeah, a lot of documentaries. Documentaries lot, are amazing. Yes, and a lot of sketch comedy. You know, a lot and a lot of foreign sketch comedy. You know, oh. Scottish and British. Yeah, there's there's BBC stuff. I like BBC stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I I have to admit first before we segue that uh, you were someone who was driving me crazy because I like to think I really know the show inside and out. Yeah. And I think on IMDb for a while it said you were in two episodes of the show. No, I guess somehow I got listed as being in the wrong one. Yeah, it was driving me crazy. I was like no. trying to find you the whole time. Um, but you are Jones. Um, who, you know, even though you have to piss in 10 minutes, you still have to flush. <laughs> um, and, and I think the other credit, does it say Jones as well? It says Jones. It just, just says Jones now, I think. Is uh, that not, I was wondering if that was your character's name in that sketch. That is my, that is my character, Jones. Yeah. Was, um, do you remember anything meaningful that you liked that was cut from that sketch? Uh, there were, it's funny. They let, they let Paul, as he was walking away, improvise a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and that was really the only part that was improvised of that scene. And everything he did was funny, but they were all different. Moment where I wish I hadn't said that. And he has that poker table but i not no i don't think so they could have chosen any one of six or seven different lines he came up with himself uh but he was really he was really diligent when we were at the table it was i don't i don't remember anything being cut out of that think about it and do you remember your reaction when you first saw the sketch Oh yeah, I went. Wow, this is a lot better than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I was pissed off at myself about the line for one, and two, it was it was a weird night. Yeah, and they stopped in the middle of our. They were going to do coverage on the sleeping bag side, I think. But that might have been what was cut. I mean, they might have wanted a shot of all of us in the sleeping bags. Oh, I would have loved that. That would have been funny. Yeah, but. But it was uh, we we had gotten a late start, and I think we wrapped around two in the morning, and I think around midnight is when L.A. County shut down. Wow! So I don't I don't want to tell tales out of school that we violated two hours of that. I won't tell anyone. Um, but I think yeah, I think if anything was missing, it was the coverage of the sleeping bag side, of, other than that one picture, but. I, I remember clearly it was a producer, and I don't know that person's name, that came in and said, and, and held their hand up, and he said, that's it, we're done. 
and everybody looked at each other. Wow. On vacation, you know, and there were lots of grumble, grumble, grumble in the crew. Because, you know, for me, that was my day and I was going to go home. But I realized I felt kind of a lot of pathos for all those people that were going to be out of work. Sure. I do too. There there were a lot of people there working on the show. There were lots of assistant camera people, lots of grits, everybody. And it didn't occur to me until later how many people would be would be put out of work so we've uh, we oh sorry please no, continue I, say, I was lucky enough to have done a major apple ad for uh the the playoffs in, at the end of uh, 2019 it was a big apple ad and i could claim unemployment from that Oh wow! That unemployment lasted me a year, and it was at a high, you know, a high level of unemployment because the payday was good. Yeah, it was it was a very fluky um, situation across all industries. It really was. But we're all part of a gig economy, you know. So if we Mm -hmm. don't, if we don't get opportunities, we don't work. If we don't work, we don't make any money. So. and, and agents, agencies have shut down because the yep. representing actors who are not working. Casting directors have done other things, moved out of state. Uh, it still is not even close to recovering. I, I actually, to, I don't mean to be no, down, a downer here about. No, that. we love the information. I mean, I actually worked. I was an employee in the music industry, sort of like when iTunes opened. Oh my! And I'm like probably half the labels went under and this was including some really big long-term ones that were, you know, the name was absorbed by, you know, it's like uh, this label will be absorbed by Geffen and then Geffen will be absorbed by, and it's really, I think it's really like three labels now. Um, Oh, that's a documentary you should watch also. Yeah. Oh, Uh, oh, I'm in. Inventing David Geffen. It's a brilliant one. Oh, I would love to. Um, All right. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm good. I just, I just want to know. You've already revealed to us that uh, Rutger Hauer is the Jamie Taco of Partners ah! in Crime. I, but well, I mean, you know, God rest his soul, he's dead now. But but he, but you've been on 150, more than 150 shoots. Um, I'm curious if you want to tell any other amazing Frank Garish stories. We have got about eight minutes on our time eight minutes <laughs> it's, it's more time than you think um uh let's see and you can always tell it and edit you know if you want to message me later tonight <laughs> and say you know what don't run that one i'm i'm true to my word i'll i'll uh edit out anything you want uh so some of the more memorable shoots i've had i can go back 20 years <laughs> Uh, I, I, I shot a Disney film called Halloween High, which was the sequel to Halloween Town. Are you that much of a nerd that you would know this one? Uh, I have a little bit of familiarity with it, but not Debbie a lot. Reynolds, Debbie okay. Reynolds, Clifton Davis. Um, and I played a character called Pumpkinhead. And I was on the, the Witch's Council or whatever, and there's this portal 
that goes between Earth <laughs> and the <laughs> Netherworld or whatever. And it what is my son, who's who's actually bigger than me now, but he was my stand-in. I think he was like 14 at the time. My my son was there, so I had to be a really good person, you know. And also it was Disney. <laughs> um one, the pumpkin head thing took about three and a half hours to get into because it's prosthetic. And I couldn't breathe very well. And I, I remember working on top of a ladder because it, it was a, a tall, reading underneath the girl up to me and whatever. Well, the ladder started creaking, started creaking, and I started getting faint. And falling halfway, and I would luckily I was caught by some grits that were behind. Oh my god! Behind me, my stand-in didn't have the makeup on, so he couldn't replace me. So they had to wake me up. I said, will make you work fifteen." 20 hour days we're still we're seeing the 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 stagehands employees are contemplating a strike because they're still doing this wow tournaments and whatever um anyway so i had to go back up there and literally i don't remember the rest of that shoot i said words remember you know i saw the movie i have lines uh and that was that was in a much fitter body than i have now Second part of that shoot, we're shooting in Salt Lake City, right? Real <laughs> <laughs> mystery. Right, right next door to the house is a strip club. Another reason I kept my son close to me that night. Um, so we break we break for lunch like at midnight or something, some really late hour in the night. And all of a sudden we come back and the DPs are operating the cameras by themselves. And most of the grips are gone. And all of a sudden, like half half of the crew is gone. <laughs> and and so I, I go up to the uh, the AD. I said, what happened? He goes, we just had to fire a bunch of people. They were all next door getting completely blotto and sticking money in G-strings on a Disney shoot, no less. Oh, boy. And they got fired. And so we finished the rest of that night with a skeleton crew. <laughs> Do you do you remember Principal Flanagan from that uh, movie? Yes, uh, Clif- Clifton Davis. That's, that's, yeah, Amen, Clifton Davis. And yeah. he was also He's on. I think he... you should leave. Oh, that's right. On season one. You know, all I have to do is go to IMDb and do the connection thing. I could find this out. It's yeah. I mean, you gotta. I have quick IMDb fingers. Um. I have others. I have other stories about flatulence, you know, particularly <laughs> post post lunch shooting. 
you know, some things cannot be avoided. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I crop dusted more than my share of sets. Now, see, this is the whole point of this podcast thus far was to get that line out of you. Um, I crop dusted a whole bunch of sets. <laughs> yeah. That's the I, meme right there. I think, I mean, I think everybody <laughs> can relate to that, you know? Um, well, it's, you know, it depends. Yes. Yes, I, I blame I blame the craft services for serving food that leads to that <laughs> happening. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and you know the stress, the stress, and you have to eat and you have to maintain your energy. And um, I I love working in this business. I will tell you that, and I love most things about it. And the things I love far outweigh the things that that hurt. Well, um, uh, I, oh, I, this is my chance to leave a permanent legacy. And you I've are. Done, yeah, I've done over 90 plays. And there, uh, as Stanislavski said, I think, you know, uh, the theatrical art is carved in sand, meaning right. the wind will blow, blow it away. So true. And in film double-edged sword everything you do is permanent just ask kim kardashian <laughs> everything that ends up on film is a record that's true you know the nazis are really good at record keeping that maybe they shouldn't have been that's fair that's fair but but i i really think this this sketch is gonna be you know if someone makes a i mean we often joke jared and i that when they do that, I think you should leave conventions in 15 years. Like we hope we get invited just as well, I hope you do too. I mean, hopefully I'll see you there and I just hope you don't crop dust me. Um, I, I, no, no, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on some medication for that now. I mean, no, things are... <laughs> but, but you can, but hopefully by then you will be able to crop dust Rutger Hauer's hologram or something like that. That would that wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> and, and, and again, I don't dislike him. Or, you know, no, he's gifted, I, gifted I, actor. Yeah, I, I love I love being in L.A. Um, I've been here since 2012, and spent previous to that 20 years or so. I used to be a professor of theater, ran a theater department, wrote a degree for a film program. Um, prior to that, I was in grad school at Penn State. Go Lions. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I was born and raised in Rhode Island, part of a wonderful family. It's amazing. And the constant in my life has been my drive and my need to express myself through this craft. Well, you've done amazing. I don't know if you've noticed the little clock in the left-hand corner. 24-7. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap it all up. We thank you so much for being on tonight, Frank. Um, we'd have you back anytime you want. And uh, we're I'm definitely hoping to send you some memes on Instagram. Uh, you've been super entertaining tonight, and I want to thank you so much. Thank you so much, and it was a pleasure being here. My pleasure. Have a great night, Frank. You too. That's a chunky has always been supported by the Etsy shop of Swayzine, S-W-A-Y-Z-I-N-E. Uh, in the past, you've seen his amazing motivational posters, his um, at the Nighthawks diner featuring characters from I Think You Should Leave 
Uh, you also know his vintage jazz posters of Paul Bufano, Marcus the Worm Hicks, and Mookie Kramer. Um, Swayzeen has a ton of new items in his shop we wanted to let you guys know about. Um, those three jazz posters have been turned into uh, attractive t-shirts. The Marcus Hicks in blue, the Mookie Kramer in green, Paul Bufano in white. He has a uh, very affordable uh, Bozo the Clown clown pewter sticker that you can put on your computer. Um, there is a Baby of the Year bib and onesie. Uh, he has Angels and Archways t-shirts, um, as well as uh, two new posters, one featuring Dangerous Nights, um, which is being framed and put on my wall, and an amazing portrait of uh, Brian from the uh, hat sketch, the insider trading sketch. Um, but the whole point of me re-recording this ad was to tell you about maybe the most innovative, I think you should leave product I've seen in my time doing this podcast, which is actual Dan Flash's shirts. So this isn't like a t-shirt that says Dan Flash on the front. This is a short or a short sleeve polo or a long sleeve uh, collared shirt that has the pattern Tim Robinson is wearing in the Dan Flash's sketch, uh, affordably priced at $30. I know when I went um, to the Dan Flash's stores at the Creeks, I spent $800 out, out the door and um, didn't eat for a long time, uh, saving my per diem. Um, but if you go to Etsy, dot com slash shop slash swayzine again swayzine is s-w-a-y-z-i-n-e um you can own these shirts yourself um and we want to thank uh reggie from swayzine for his support of that's a chunky Activated lights I don't want satellite radio I don't want extra club holders All I want is a good steering wheel that doesn't fly up when I'm driving You have no good car ideas You have to marry your mother-in-law You have no good car ideas You have to marry your mother-in-law Bones are their money, the 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 b
money, the bones are their 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 money.